Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Breachside Broadcast, home of the finest foxcasting either side of the breach. On tonight's program, we have the conclusion of From the Ashes, the story so far. The talented Dr. Doei has been convinced to come to Malifaux to help the Ten Thunders create a new society beyond the breach. He finds himself working for the powerful railroad boss, Mei Feng. But as ever in Malifaux, all is not what it seems. We pick up the story right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Breach Side Broadcast is brought to you by Rail Crew Number 89. The 89ers lay sleepers and rail faster than any other crew on the line. And if you're interested in a tragic derailment that claims the lives of your enemies, we offer very competitive prices. splayed before De Wei was horribly burned. The skin of his torso and forearms curled upwards like blackened parchment, revealing the raw flesh below. Help me stretch him out on the bedding. Quickly, he's losing blood. The Kamenu growled its assent at De Wei's command, and sunk its lower back level with the doctor's table. The patient had been secured safely astride it on a bamboo stretcher. Thinking quickly, the way undid the leather restraints around his ankles and wrists before guiding the groaning man off the metal beast's back, careful not to touch his burns. Can you hear me? The way took the man by the hand, feeling his pulse. You are very badly burned, but I promise I can heal you. What's your name? The man couldn't respond. He was in so much pain that his eyes rolled into the back of his head. No matter, sighed the way, before he reached toward the shelf behind him for his herbs. Humming softly to himself, he mashed them into a fragrant balm, which he slathered onto the rawest parts of the burned flesh while whispering fiercely under his breath. The man screamed at his touch, but the way was relentless, covering every exposed muscle and nerve with mint-green paste. At last the man's breathing returned to normal, his agony abated, and he fell into a deep sleep. A voice from behind made the way jump. How do you do it? Mei Feng was standing in the entryway of his station, arms crossed and drumming her taloned fingers on her forearms in amusement. Today her long braid was curled into a tight bun, two cross jade daggers holding it in place at the nape of her neck. This is my grandfather's remedy for burns, he said with pride. A few herbs, when applied with a simple healing incantation, can work wonders on the body. Your man will be scarred, but the skin will grow back without lasting repercussions. Give him a week, and he will be ready to work the rail lines again. I don't foresee a prosthesis to be necessary. Mei Feng looked impressed. Now who was right about you? 
I've never seen anything like this. Actually, said Dewey, whose smile had vanished at the mention of Lao Hu's name, neither have I. These burns are inconsistent with the others I've seen this week. He gave her a suspicious glare. Who is he, and how did he become so horribly injured? Dewey asked, reaching for fresh dressings to secure the ointment on the wounds. Mei Feng paused. This man is one of my rail workers. She looked down at the floor with a frown. It was Jing Jing, one of my new rail golems. He overheated and vented steam at the wrong time. I had to decommission him afterwards. I've treated seven burned victims this week, although none hurt as badly as this one. I'm worried about your men, Lady Feng. Perhaps you're endangering them unnecessarily. Mei Feng's nostrils flared and her eyes met his. Best not ask too many questions. They can be mistaken for ingratitude. Forgive me, Lady Feng, but I have observed that your men are in considerable pain. Please don't forget that I also issued three new arms and two new legs this week. They know the risks and they are paid handsomely for their services. You of all people should recognize that things here are infinitely better than they are earthside. I won't deny it, said the Wei with a smile, and I am grateful for everything that the Thunders have done for me. Better have Zhongo's refugees serve the Thunders here than be persecuted by the Guild. And you have aided us well, Doctor. The respect is mutual, although I understand that it took you some time to make up your mind to leave Zhongo. I did not realize then that emigration to Malifaux was not a retreat, but rather a victory for our people, he replied passionately. Well said, Mei Feng looked at the man snoring on the Wei's operating table, apparently lost in thought. She collected herself hastily, hoping that he did not notice. I came to tell you that this patient is your last today. Construction on the rail lines has ceased. You are dismissed for the evening. She scratched the ears of the Kamenu affectionately with her clawed fingers. It rolled onto its back and gave a raspy, grating bark of pleasure. I can see this one has served you well. I forged it myself. The spirit of one of my ancestors rests inside her, so take good care of her. As she has taken good care of me, lady, said the way sealing the last of his medicine jars and making for the door. Watch him tonight. If he wakes in pain, please summon me, he ordered the Kamenu, which barked once again in understanding. He left Mei Feng behind, still apparently lost in thought, and minutes later De Wei felt the reassuring chill of the evening breeze on his skin as he sought his favorite bench in one of the hidden temple's many rampart gardens. Built into the sturdy face of the Ten Peaks, the massive monastery that the Thunders called the Hidden Temple was more like a fortress than a place of worship. Great wooden beams of crimson created a sturdy shell filled by enchanted mortar and inlaid flagstones as far as the eye could see. The attention to detail, whether in the painted designs around each of the doors or the thousands of murals depicting misty valleys, dragons, phoenixes and great armies clashing in pink sunsets, were astounding for a structure of this size. As he stared out at the view before him, the way he could not help but admire how each crenellation on the rampart was intricately carved with the head of a different zodiac animal. It was a fitting place for the thunders to call home. The winding passageways would surely confuse any intruder not accustomed to them, and its strategic construction into the side of the cliff made it virtually impervious to siege. The way had seen nothing sturdier, not even the great red palaces of the Forbidden City. Noticing that the sun had not yet set, 
he decided to abandon the confines of the fortress for the evening to enjoy a meal in the town below. He navigated quickly through several narrow passageways and emerged at the entrance of the fortress. Two Thunder's brothers pulled open the great bronze doors, revealing the winding road to promise before him. It took him little time to find himself in the heart of town. It was just as reassuring as it was the day Mei Feng had introduced it to him a few weeks ago. The town almost felt like home. The streets were less busy at twilight. Shopkeepers began to close their windows and doors grimly, hurrying to board up any exposed points of entry that might abandon their wares to the mercy of whatever nocturnal horrors, human or otherwise, prowled the streets while the city slept. Exhausting as the daily hassle of closing and reopening might be, the sense of security offered by sturdy planks and bewitched iron chains was well worth their weight. As he turned into a side alley near one of his usual eateries that was still open, the way he saw something out the corner of his eye that was most unusual amongst the ordinary evening bustle. Mei Feng, travelling alone. Her usual companionship, Kang, her loyal rail workers, or her constructs, which always accompanied her during her appearances outside the hidden temple, were absent tonight. Swift and sticking to the shadows, Mei Feng had covered herself with a ragged brown cloak to disguise her usual tank top and trousers. The Wei would not have noticed her from behind had it not been for her braid, still curled in a distinctive bun held in place by two daggers, both of which stuck out from the cloth of her hood like covered horns. The Wei knew that she only ever travelled alone so as not to attract attention, just like the night when she'd first brought him to promise under the cover of darkness. What did Lady Feng have to hide? Curiosity got the better of him, and ignoring the rumble in his stomach, the way darted past his usual dinner spot to follow her. He kept her at the very edge of his vision, and due to his good fortune, her complacency, or her own preoccupation, Mei Feng never once looked behind to see if she was being followed. After several tense minutes, she turned into a rickety wooden shack at the end of another empty alley. The way waited several moments. This is stupid, he told himself. She will find out, and whatever her secrets are, they are not my concern. An image of Ming Yu swam in his memory unbidden. Coward. Was that the last thought she'd ever had of him before they had parted? With a surge of boldness, the way looked behind him, checking that the alley was deserted, before opening the door just a crack. Through the narrow slit, he saw that Mei Feng had her back to him. She was leaning over the slumped figure of a man tied to a chair. The way his stomach sank when Mei Feng pulled down her hood and untangled one of the knives from her braid. You have not paid us your dues this month, she said, bringing the knife against the soft flesh of the man's neck. Her voice was quiet and determined, barely resonating through the crack in the door. The way had to strain to hear more. I have nothing left to give the ten thunders. He let out a wet, spluttering cough that the way was sure trickled with blood. You've taken everything from me already. Just kill me. I can't do this anymore. That would be among the best of all possible outcomes for you, she said nastily. But unfortunately, you don't deserve it. Without warning, she thrust her knife into the man's thigh. She covered his screams with her other hand, smothering the man completely. The way gasped. A shot of fear danced along his spine. You're fortunate that I'm here and not one of my rail workers. They have a lot less restraint, you know, May said, almost conversationally. 
I told you, the man cried. I have nothing left to give. My shop is not selling enough to feed my own family. My daughter is begging in the streets, and I caught her going into one of the saloons to find work. You bitch. Do you have any idea how humiliating? The man let out another muffled scream as Mei Feng twisted her knife. Then work harder. What did you promise us when we smuggled you and your family out of Guangzhou? The man hesitated. Well? She withdrew her knife with a horrible squelching sound that made the Wei's stomach curl. The man screamed again. My loyalty! He cried in agony. Please, stop it. I don't want to give it any more, please. That's right, she said sourly. Their guild were at your doorstep, and we were there to save you. While the cannons roared around your city and your relatives were slaughtered, we gave you everything. A new home, a new life, permits for your own business. I'd say you owe us. So when we ask something of you, you give it to us on time every month. Do you understand? The way saw the man nod vigorously. He had nothing left to say. I'm not sure you do, she said, her back still to the door. I'm going to stay with you just a little longer until the point becomes even clearer. DeWay could not listen any further. Shuddering and trying to keep himself steady, he closed the door as quietly as he could and ran, back through the alley, through the streets of promise, and up the hill to the hidden temple, where he barricaded himself in his chambers barely an hour later. Ignoring the cries of the Kamenu which looked quizzically at its caretaker's alarm, the way collapsed on his bed and fell into a deep sleep, the cries of the extorted still ringing in his ears, the image of May's bloody daggers seared into his memory. After what seemed like an eternity, a series of knocks awoke him with a start just after midnight. Mei Feng appeared at his door. Her cloak was splattered with blood, and the daggers that had been in her hair were nowhere to be found. Please, doctor, you must wake up. It's an emergency. She grabbed him by the wrists and shook him awake. One of my staff working the late shift at the steel mill has been horribly injured. A drilling machine went right through his thigh, and he's missing some fingers. You must fix him up. The Three Kingdoms, Earthside, 14 weeks occupied. On the last eve before his departure, the way lingered outside, picking herbs from the garden. The nutrients in the soil were all but depleted. With no livestock or crops left to recycle, the ground had nothing left to give. He scowled at the dead leaves as he shucked them from their wilting stalks, disappointed that they outnumbered the healthy ones three times over. He looked up at the sound of Ming Yu's voice. She traipsed over to him and knelt down in the soil, unafraid of dirtying her new saffron garments. He looked at them disdainfully, but he could not help but think that the robes, the black leather sandals and weapons strapped to her sides, which now took the place of her usual pouches, made her look more beautiful than ever. I've heard the rumors. You're finally going to be in one of their raids tonight. He couldn't look her in the eye. Yes, she wavered. What could she say to him that would assuage his fears? I've trained for eight weeks with the boxer. She thumbed the sword of Wuxushu strapped to her back. I can finally be of use to him. 
I bet you can, he said unimpressed, and with a bit more poison than was warranted, as his sword cut through the air in several graceful strikes. She looked taken aback, bringing her practice strike to a halt. To the way it seemed that this goodbye was not going the way she had hoped. What's bothering you? she asked tentatively. You told me just this morning that you are ready to leave tomorrow. You were at peace with the decision. I was, it's just... soon. I'll be gone. Missing from the place where our families have been for generations. Like we've never set foot here. I'm going to some dangerous new world that we know nothing about. And you're not even coming with me. No, she said, rising to her feet from the dirt and placing a hand on his shoulder. I told you, I can't. There is still hope for Jungo. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like you said, I'm the daughter of a whore. She sheathed her blade bitterly. I still would be in Malifaux. Here I can be a revolutionary. She collected herself with a shuddering breath. But you must go, promise me. You have a future there. Hoping to lull his anger, she pulled out a tiny lump from her pocket. It was another mechanical cicada. It chirped pleasantly in her hand, fluttering its delicate brass wings in time with the evening breeze. Ming-Yu gulped. I fixed it. It's powered by a logic engine that I took from one of the Western machines. It's much more stable than before. All of my ancestors are rather moody. She forced a laugh. Please, take it in case... in case I don't come back. That way you'll have something to remember me by. She turned away abruptly, as though she couldn't bear to look at him any longer. Goodbye. Please don't worry. The thunders will protect me. Just promise me that you'll go. Without seeing the look of disappointment etched into Wei's features, Ming-Yu turned her back on him, pulling her oni mask over her face as the last rays of the sun set behind the shriveling rice paddies in the steps. Mei Feng was alone in her chambers when Kang led the way inside. He left the two of them alone at Mei's nod. News, she said, looking at the way expectantly. Please, tell me that he'll live. Yes, said the way hesitantly through gritted teeth. There was a bitter infection in his thigh wound, but I was able to drain the pus and mend the flesh. I had to replace his right hand with a prosthesis. He lost three fingers so I thought he would be happier with a new hand instead. Then he'll survive, she asked intently. He nodded wordlessly. How soon can he return to work? He shrugged. Why are you so quiet? She demanded, staring him up and down with narrowed eyes. You seem to be taking less pride in your work than usual this evening, Doctor. Usually you cannot wait to tell me about the success of your latest procedure. What's wrong? I cannot do this anymore, he said. Can't do what? She took a comforting step closer, but he shuddered back, repulsed by her. Don't touch me, you lying witch! The words on the tip of his tongue slipped out before he could swallow them. It was only then that she seemed to understand. 
May let out an exasperated breath, as though she had been waiting for this moment and was dreading its arrival. You are never supposed to discover the truth of your patience. How long have you known? she asked him brusquely. Long enough to know that I have damned too many innocent people when I thought I was helping them. You were helping them. Many of those you have healed over the past few weeks were my rail workers, actually injured on the lines or in the mills. The foundry speaks very highly of you, way. He wanted to throw up again. How many? How many what? she snapped, turning her back on him. How many people? He struggled against his own shame. The words wouldn't come. Not without pain. How many people did I stitch up just so you could torture them all over again? I don't know. Enough to keep the protection money coming in, I suppose. Nothing is more lucrative than fear. An endless cycle of pain and rebirth is surprisingly effective at getting people to empty their pockets, she said dispassionately. The way fell to his knees. Was any of what you and Lao Hu told me about the thunders real? He shouted. Protectors of the Three Kingdoms. The Rebellion. The fight for Zhongo's future. Of course it is. Just not in the way you expected. A shadowy figure shifted in the back of the room, making the way jump. Mei Feng looked back and cast it an appraising glance. But don't take my word for it. She motioned with her hand. A woman in saffron robes stepped forward out of the inky darkness, a curved sword strapped to her back. Even behind the Oni mask, the Wei could never mistake her haunting voice for anyone else. I am sorry that we lied to you, said Ming Yu with a sigh. But as Lady Feng said, the rebellion and the hatred of the guild, these things are as real as you or me. He was not shocked to see her. Nothing surprised him any more. After a long silence, he screamed, that none of it was real if that is the standard that you judge by. He looked at the floor and hoped she could feel every bitter wave of fury and resentment radiating from his soul. The thought of matching her gaze was too much to bear. How long have you known? Always. She stepped forward into the light with a sigh. I've been a Thunder's operative my whole life, just like my mother. You were never to know. She put a hand on his shoulder. The way let it flutter there for half a second before he swatted it away in disgust. What did you expect? My mother was a concubine thoroughly abused by the imperial court. The thunders gave her purpose, just as they have done for me. My trips into the city were about guild reconnaissance as much as buying your supplies. Little did I know that one of the greatest potential assets to our organization was living ten yards from my doorstep. She pulled off her mask and handed it to Mei Feng, looking at the way sadly. My new mission became you. What do you mean? We needed you in Malifaux, Mei Feng answered briskly. Ming Yu was to persuade you after we verified how prodigious your talents were. Do you think it's just fate that on the night my brother Lao Hu was injured and near death, he ended up in your village? Mei Feng scoffed. Fate can only control so many variables. Lao Hu, his injuries, the way stammered. Lao Hu grew careless and was outliving his usefulness. The Oyaban saw fit to have him killed, until Ming Yu thought he would make an ideal test subject for your talents 
if he were flogged within an inch of his life instead. Her mouth creased just ever so slightly. There was the closest expression of genuine regret she had ever shown him. He's more indebted to you than he would care to admit. But then again, my brother has always been an obnoxious ingrate, Mei Feng said bitterly. She looked at her own tiger claws sourly, as though the idea of sharing any family relic at all with her brother were a source of eternal shame. I was an informant then, nothing more, Ming Yu admitted. Convincing you to come to Malifaux was the last part of my martial training. As you know, being a part of this organization comes down to more than skill with a blade. She said it with pride, and it was as if she had stabbed him. Everyone had used him, even her. She was not just some pawn in a grander scheme. I thought you were with me always. The way he pulled out the cicada from his pocket. She shook her head. He crushed it in his hands and flung the pieces at her. He thought he could see tears swimming behind her eyes as the tiny gears flew all around her. I have nothing to tell you except I'm sorry, she said sternly. Everything I did, I did for Zhongguo. The boxer did the same. The East was already lost. The rebellion was only making chaos to give people incentive to emigrate to Malifaux. The opium, too. What's been circulating is ours, not the guilds. But it's all worth it for our new future. What future? One involving the mass extortion of innocent people who think they're beginning a new life of salvation? One that treats human traffic like livestock to be herded, prodded, and milked? No, said Mei Feng resolutely. Before Ming Yu could answer, her arms crossed. A future where our people and our culture can survive in a new world. Before he could stop it, the same thought rushed into his head once again. Never forget where you come from. How far he had strayed indeed, and he hadn't even realized it. If this was the glorious future the Thunders had envisioned, he wanted no part of it. There was only one thing that he could do now. The face of the Ming Yu he thought he knew. The one he wanted to be real flashed before him again. I know you can be brave. Lady Feng, he said, reaching forward for her clawed hand. You're right. He pulled it close, feeling the hard metal and sharp points of the tiger's claw on his skin. About what? she said expectantly. That to the thunders and their vision for a new future, anyone is disposable, he whispered. And before she could resist, he grabbed her arm with newfound strength and pulled her tiger's claw hard thrusting it upwards into his stomach with a gasp of pain. Mei Feng heard Ming Yu scream as she felt the blood soak her hands, and the sharp claws of her fingers sliced away sinew, sever nerves and great bone. Magical energy beyond her control drove the metal forward deeper and deeper, until it burst through his back in a crimson shower. Mei Feng shuddered and fell to her knees. The Wei's blood hot, wet, pooling around her. He coughed and brought his lips to her ear smearing her pale face with blood. The final strained words before his departure would haunt her. You're disposable too. With a deep, shuddering breath, Mei Feng flung the body from her in disgust, dismissed a morose Ming Yu, and summoned Kang to fetch a bucket of water and a rag. When he returned, she began to scrub the floor of her chambers, feeling the way's blood cake between her fingers as she scraped her soapy knuckles against the stone until they were raw. She hummed as she worked in Kang's presence, seemingly unperturbed, but with a jolt of fear that she was too clever to show, 
She wondered how she could continue to forge a brand new world that never really was, or, as she now knew beyond a doubt, never truly would be. There was nothing from the ashes but lies. hope you enjoyed the conclusion of From the Ashes. Please join us next time for more Tales of Malifaux on the Breachside Broadcast.